Our scripture lesson is taken from the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 24, page 1219, Luke 24, beginning at verse 36, and reading through the end of the chapter, Luke 24, beginning at verse 36. Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do you doubt in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, He showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, Have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate in their presence. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written of me in the law of Moses and the prophets. And the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hand and blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Thus far, the reading of God's Word, may he add his blessing to it. In conjunction with it, I'd like to read from the Heidelberg Catechism, page 879 in the back of the Trinity Red Psalter Hymnal, page 879, Lord's Day 18. Page 879, Lord's Day 18 in the second column, and continuing on the next page. What do you mean by saying he ascended into heaven? That Christ, while his disciples watched, was taken up from the earth into heaven and remains there on our behalf until he comes again to judge the living and the dead. But isn't Christ with us until the end of the world as he promised us? Christ is true man and true God. In his human nature, Christ is is not now on earth. But in his divinity majesty, grace, and spirit, he is never absent from us. If his humanity is not present, wherever his divinity is, then aren't the two natures of Christ separated from each other? Certainly not. Since divinity is not limited and is present everywhere, it is evident that Christ's divinity is surely beyond the bounds of of the humanity that he has taken on. But at the same time, His divinity is in and remains 
personally united to his humanity. How does Christ's ascension to heaven benefit us? First, he is our advocate in heaven, in the presence of his Father. Second, we have our own flesh in heaven as a sure pledge that Christ, our head, will also take us, his members, up to himself. Third, he sends his Spirit to us on earth as a corresponding pledge. By the Spirit's power, we seek not earthly things, but things above where Christ is sitting at God's right hand. Beloved of the Lord, I believe that many of you, including some of the children, can remember well the Old Testament story of King David bringing the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. He tried to do it once, didn't do it right, and then did it a second time in which he did it right. He was anxious, very anxious and eager to bring the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. The Ark of the Covenant had on its top something called the mercy seat. There were two cherubim, carved images of cherubim sitting on either side of the top of the Ark, and their wings overshadowed this mercy seat. The mercy seat was a throne. It was God's throne. Of course, there was no image sitting on the throne because no image can be made of God, but it was the symbol of his presence. It was his throne. And it was important that the throne of God be in Jerusalem so that God would rule his people from Jerusalem. David was very much aware that he was not the ultimate king, the final king of Israel, but that God was the true king of Israel, and he only a servant of the true king. And therefore he wanted that symbol of God's presence and power and authority, God's throne in Jerusalem, because that's where it belonged. Well, the true king of Israel and our king also is Jesus Christ. And it is right also that he sit on a throne in Jerusalem. Not the earthly Jerusalem, but the true Jerusalem, of which the earthly Jerusalem was only a shadow, a copy, a a symbol, a representation. It was my privilege this past week to conduct two funerals. And at both funerals, I read from Romans chapter, uh, Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 to 7, about the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. There is a Jerusalem above, a Jerusalem in heaven, that city that Abraham longed for, the city not built by human hands, a city whose builder and maker is God. There, Jesus has ascended and sits on the throne, the throne of God's kingdom. Ruling from Jerusalem, the real Jerusalem, the holy city, the new Jerusalem, that one day will indeed come down upon the earth when God takes his residence upon the renewed, cleansed earth in the new heavens and the new earth. Well, that Old Testament taking of the uh, ark into Jerusalem foreshadows the ascension of Jesus Christ to the throne in the heavenly Jerusalem. That is what is before us tonight as we consider the articles of the Apostles' Creed as they are explained in the Heidelberg Catechism, where we confess that we as a church believe 
he ascended into heaven. And I want to consider with you, first of all, the, the fact of the ascension, the fact and the history of the ascension. It's very important that we recognize that this is a real historical event. It was the physical departure of Jesus from the earth, a real act of transportation, a, a real historical event. He departed from the earth and was carried to a real place called heaven. He left from the Mount of Olives, close to and looking down upon Jerusalem, and he went to heaven, that is, to the third heaven. Uh, Paul, in his uh, second letter to the Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2, speaks about a man, he speaks about himself in the third person, but a man who was taken up to the third heaven. I've explained to you before that uh, the Hebrews had a three-level view of the heavens. There's the heavens around the earth where the birds fly. There's a second heaven where the sun, the moon, and the stars are located. And then there's the third heaven, the highest heaven, where God has his abode. In the 1950s, when the first Russian cosmonauts went up into the first heaven, they came back and mocked Christians because they said, uh, we were up there and we didn't see uh, God, we didn't see Jesus Christ, we didn't see any angels, uh, there are none, they don't exist. Well, they were only in the first heaven. Of course they didn't see them there. They're not there. They're in the third heaven, the highest heaven. And uh, that's where Christ was taken. Scripture give us, gives us uh, a great deal of testimony about this. Uh, it's described in John's Gospel where Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you and then I'll come and, and take you there. In uh, Luke chapter 22, he says, From now on the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. Again in John 20, Jesus uh, said to uh, the woman uh, who uh, stayed behind after, on his resurrection and said, uh, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. In Acts chapter 1, uh, Luke gives us a second account. He gives an account here in the passage we read from chapter 24. But in Acts 1, uh, he also says, As they were looking up, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And again, from our text tonight, uh, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and was carried up into the heavens. And then uh, there was also, uh, not only did Jesus predict it, but uh, Daniel in his prophecies uh, foresaw this and says uh, in Daniel 7:13 and 14, I saw in the night vision and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. He saw one coming on the clouds, but coming not from heaven to earth, but coming on the clouds from earth to heaven, ascending to the Ancient of Days where he received a kingdom and uh, dominion and uh, power and glory. Uh, these are uh, some of the many references. Uh, you could go back to any uh, king in Israel ascending to the throne. That was a foreshadowing of the ascension of Jesus Christ and uh, these uh, other descriptions of it as well. Uh, we need to remember uh, 
that this is uh, a real event. It helps explain why we can't see Jesus right now. You know, we believe that he died, and we believe that on the third day after his death, he was raised from the dead and given an imperishable body. Well, you would think that if Christ is still alive, he should be still walking the earth, but he's not walking the earth. He was taken up to heaven. That's why we can't see him. It was his last act on earth by which he confirmed all that he had said. Uh, You know that everyone who comes from God, everyone who brings new revelation, confirms that their word is true by one of two means, either by performing a miracle or by predicting the future and having that future event come true. Well, this last act of Jesus was both. It was a miracle something contrary to nature. Uh, Human flesh and blood doesn't uh, rise unassisted uh, from the earth, contrary to the law of gravity, and float up uh, to heaven. That is a supernatural event, uh, a miracle, and those who perform miracles show that God is with them in all that they have taught. And uh, it was also something that Jesus himself said would happen. Daniel said it would happen. Uh, It is the fulfillment of prophecy. Therefore, again, it is confirmation that everything that Jesus said about himself and about what he came to do is indeed true. Uh, It also teaches us what to expect with regard to his return. The angels said uh, in the manner that you saw him leave, in that manner he's going to return. He came once as a babe laid in a manger, but uh, he will come a second time now as uh, a human being fully grown uh, with all his heavenly splendor upon the clouds. It is a a key element in the history of redemption. You know, there are uh, uh, some uh, critics of the Christian faith who say that the only reason you and I uh, who have been brought up in the church uh, believe in Jesus is because we have been brought up in the church. And uh, they say it's uh, you've just grown comfortable with these ideas. If you had been brought up in the Muslim world, then you would be a Muslim. If you had been brought up in the Hindu world, you would be uh, a Hindu. Uh, if you had been brought up in the Shinto religion of Japan, then you would uh, uh, believe that religion because uh, people grow accustomed to these ideas. Well, oftentimes the people who make that ac- accusation... <laughs> are living proof that it doesn't always happen because many of them were brought up in the faith and departed from it. Uh, It's not a given that those who are brought up in a certain faith will stay with that faith. And that is uh, amply uh, illustrated also by reports that I receive, and perhaps you have seen them too, from Reverend uh, Victor Atala from Middle East Reform Fellowship. Uh, They can hardly keep up with all the requests for Christian literature and especially Reformed literature from Muslims who hear their radio broadcasts, their TV programs, and uh, uh, they are receiving daily reports of many people, uh, Muslim people, coming to faith in Christ. Being brought up in the Muslim world doesn't mean you stay a Muslim all your life. Reverend uh, Thabit Magali of uh, our own denomination works in uh, Muslim missions also with a television program 
uh, from St. Catharines, Ontario, broadcast throughout the, the Middle East. And uh, he has the same kind of response as Reverend Tatala does for Middle East Reform Fellowship. Uh, thousands uh, of Muslims every year are turning to Christ. So uh, it's not a given that people believe uh, only what they were brought up in. And I don't believe in the Christian faith merely because I was brought up in it. I believe because of these things that we read in the Bible of historical events. Uh, on the White Horse Inn, you often hear uh, the, I, uh, the, the line, uh, the tomb is empty and it makes all the difference. The tomb is empty and that makes all the difference. Well, we could say that about the ascension as well. The ascension of Christ from this earth, of the living, resurrected Christ to the right hand of the Father. The fact that that event has happened and that he is coming again, that makes all the difference and is one of the reasons that by the grace of God and through the work of his spirit that I'm a Christian uh, because I've been, uh, my eyes have been opened to these truths that they are true, that they are historical, that our God has reached down into history and has accomplished this great work for us. It uh, distinguishes the Christian religion from so many other religions that are simply uh, philosophies or moral teachings uh, from teachers who are just like us, maybe a little bit smarter. No, uh, our God is a God who has come down, has become one of us, who has done for us what we could not do for ourselves, lived the life we should have lived, died the death we deserve to die, so that we through faith in him might be forgiven and made heirs of eternal life. Now concerning this fact, there is a problem. That is, there are disputes uh, within Christendom, especially at the time of the Reformation, uh, about the physical ascent of Jesus Christ. And uh, the problem concerns this. Christ has promised in Matthew uh, 28, 19, uh, just before his ascension, he promised, I am with you to the end of the age. And then he left. What's that all about? Is he with us or has he left? Which is it? How can it be true that he is with us if he has left? Well, our... Brothers and sisters in the Lutheran Church at the time of the Reformation, and I have no problem calling Lutherans at the time of the Reformation brothers and sisters, and a good part of Lutheran Church today, although not all of it, um, they, uh, they said, well, this is how it is. When Christ's body ascended, his physical body was deified, his physical body became entirely different so that his physical body could be invisible and his physical body could be everywhere present so that uh, he has uh, ascended uh, physically to uh, he's no longer uh, flesh and bones as I read to you from Luke's gospel uh, when he uh, uh, Jesus said to them uh, uh, Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. Uh, he doesn't have flesh and bones anymore. He's become uh, spiritualized or deified. And uh, this, uh, this is a, not a good answer to, to the problem about how Jesus can be both gone and with us. It, it's based on the idea that he is adopted a higher form of existence. 
that's that's how it's understood. And uh, on the scale of being, you have down at the bottom the physical and the material. But then uh, as you move up the scale, you have the immaterial and the spiritual. That's a, a, on a higher plane of being. Well, that's not how God wants us to understand our physical nature. Uh, human beings as flesh and blood aren't on a lower plane of being than spiritual beings. It's true that we, uh, we read in the Psalms, uh, quoted in the book of Hebrews, um, you have uh, concerning what is man that you are mindful of him. You have made him a little lower than the angels. Uh, we were created lower than the angels. But then it also goes on to say, you have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the work of your hands and you have put all things in subjection under his feet. He's speaking there not only of Jesus Christ, but all who are united to Christ because the Apostle Paul says to the Christians at Corinth, don't you know you are going to judge the angels? Uh, it's true that uh, uh, with regard to authority or rank, so to speak, we were created under the angels. But because of the incarnation, because of who Jesus is, he is now over the angels. And because we're united to him, we are over the angels as well. As flesh and blood human beings, we are over the angels in authority. Uh, with respect to our being, we are all creatures of God and therefore equal in God's sight. But with respect to authority and uh, uh, the, uh, that sort of thing, uh, we're actually, because of the incarnation, elevated above the angels now. And uh, when you have this idea, which was really a Gnostic idea, that, that there's a, a scale of being and spiritual is higher than physical, it leads to a, a despisal of the physical and uh, often leads to what is called world flight, you know, going to monasteries and stuff and uh, uh, cruel treatment of the body, you know, trying to beat the body into submission so that you can become more spiritual, that sort of thing, uh, punishing the body, uh, inflicting pain on it. And uh, it does not lead to what in the Reformed faith we know as all of life redeemed, that every aspect of the creation is holy and every aspect of the creation is created good and therefore uh, to be part of the redemption of God. Uh, so we, we, we don't like this uh, Lutheran idea that, that when Christ ascended, his body became deified. We simply point to the fact that he has two natures. He had two natures when he was on the earth, when he had flesh and bones. He had two natures, and he, he has flesh and bones today, and he has two natures. And with respect to his divine nature, he can be everywhere present. With respect to his physical nature, he is only in one place, and that one place is at, in, the, in the third heaven. Uh, and that doesn't mean that his two natures are separated, because his, his divine nature can be here with us and with his physical body in heaven at the same time. And therefore, uh, we uh, confess this, and one of the reasons that the uh, Heidelberg Catechism was written was to distinguish uh, the Reformed faith not only from Catholicism, uh, and uh, you find that when they talk about praying to saints and so forth, and uh, trusting in good works and that uh, sort of thing, but here also uh, we distinguish uh, ourselves from uh, certain Lutheran uh, ideas as well. Now, the Catechism goes on to explain the benefits of Christ's ascension. 
he pleads our cause in heaven. And don't misunderstand that to mean that the benefits of his atoning death on the cross wear out. And he has to uh, supplement that with more prayers that God would forgive us. What it means uh, is that as our advocate, he is there as a living witness of the atonement. It's uh, interesting in that passage that I read to you from, as our assurance of pardon today from First John, that he said, uh, if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins. He himself is the propitiation for our sins. Uh, he, in God's presence, is a continual reminder that he suffered and died for us. So it's not that God, uh, that Christ has to uh, say, oh, the Father forgot about the atonement, uh, and I have to add to that work, new work of praying for you. He says, no, I'm there as the living witness of the atonement, of the propitiation, and every time the Father sees me, he sees the finished work that I have done, and uh, for that reason, you need not be afraid of the Father. He is there as our advocate. His presence there is also a... Uh, a means of guaranteeing that uh, Christ our head will take us there to be with him uh, and uh, to raise up our bodies at the last day. Uh, we are uh, assured that Christ ascended not as a private person, but as the legal head of all the elect. What happened to him belongs to all of us as well. Therefore, his ascension means we have the legal right to follow him into the glorious presence of God. And then also uh, the Catechism uh, finally mentions that he, he sends us his Spirit, and by the Spirit's power we seek not earthly things, but things above where Christ is at God's right hand. Uh, he sends us the Spirit. In the passage that I read to you from uh, Luke, he uh, says, uh, go to Jerusalem and wait for power to come. Now, that is often uh, misunderstood to mean that God infuses power in people the way a doctor might uh, infuse penicillin into your arm with a hypodermic needle. Uh, something that uh, you, uh, you go to the doctor, you get the shot, and you come away filled with this this new medicine that is just going to transform your life and make you healthy again. That's not how we are filled with the Spirit. Uh, when Christ was about to leave, he opened their minds to help them to understand all the Scriptures, how uh, the Scriptures, the Law of Moses and the Prophets and the Psalms were about him because he knows that when they receive the Spirit, the Spirit will use the Word to enable them to grow in their faith. We are not empowered with the Spirit by osmosis in our sleep, but we are empowered by the Spirit through the means of grace. Uh, you know, there are some people who think that they can lead healthy lives and live long, healthy lives, eating uh, hamburgers and french fries and milkshakes every day, as long as they take a multivitamin. Uh, 
You know, I'd pop the multivitamin pill, and that just takes care of everything and wipes out all the bad effects of the uh, the hamburgers, the French fries, and the milkshake every day, three days, three meals a day. Uh, it doesn't work that way. You can't be healthy by just popping a, a, a multivitamin pill every day. You, you need a, a regular healthy diet. You need some kind of exercise as well to, to lead a healthy life. God uses these means to promote uh, good health in our bodies. Uh, it takes some effort on our part, and it also takes some effort on your part to avail yourself of the means of grace to be empowered by the Spirit. He has poured out His Spirit on the church. You have received His Spirit But the Spirit lies dormant and powerless if you don't take up the Word, if you don't take up prayer, if you don't take up worship, if you don't use the means of grace that God has provided. We are built up through the Word by the power of the Spirit. And this is something that is poured out on the church because of Christ's ascension. Uh, There's a wonderful passage in John 7 that says, Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now he said that about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. The Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. And uh, uh, what that refers to is the fact that when Christ ascended into heaven... Uh, and uh, entered into his glory there. Then for the first time in the history of the human race, there was a human being with whom God could unite in a new and powerful way uh, as never before could have happened. And so the Spirit of God came into Jesus in a new and powerful way because he was a, a perfect temple for the Holy Spirit. You and I are not yet perfect temples for the Holy Spirit, but we are united to the perfect temple of the Holy Spirit. And because Christ has the Spirit, we share in all his treasures and gifts. His Spirit can be poured out on us because God sees us in the light of Christ and not by our sins And therefore, the Spirit can be given once Christ has ascended. And that, too, is the great benefit of his ascension. From this supernatural event, by where Jesus was physically transported from earth to heaven, comes to us assurance of the Father's constant love, assurance of future glory, and a strength for today so that we can live the kind of lives he has called us to live. Thanks be to God for the ascension of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this great event and pray that you would impress it upon our hearts and minds and that we would see that indeed it is a glorious thing that Christ's atoning work is always before you and never forgotten and that uh, we uh, have been uh, uh, assured that because uh, Christ our head is there, we shall be brought there as well. And we thank you for the outpouring of the Spirit upon the church so that uh, through the work of the Spirit in the Word and through the means of grace, we may be made strong in faith. Oh, Father, build us up in this faith, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.